You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Breaking details tonight of BC's 13th case of COVID-19. A woman in her 80s who recently traveled to India and Hong Kong is now in critical condition. Aaron MacArthur has more from health officials on the situation here in BC and efforts to stop the spread of the virus around the world. Another day, another case of COVID-19. This case follows along with the previous 12, all international travelers. This case, though, unique. A woman in her 80s returning from India via Hong Kong. She's in critical condition. Unfortunately, um, she's had quite a severe illness and uh, she is currently in critical condition in isolation. Health authorities have been warning for weeks that Canada will eventually see some level of community transmission. Domestic containment remains the priority for BC's healthcare system and across the country. The capacity to deal with widespread community outbreaks limited right now because of a difficult flu season. If we can delay, obviously, community transmission to beyond the normal, typical flu season, then we can actually provide some slack in the healthcare system to address things like shortages of beds. The real battle to contain the virus has shifted to South Korea. Hundreds of new cases reported Wednesday. The country ramping up testing, offering drive-through service to limit exposure. Italy continues to deal with the highest death rate outside China. The Italian government taking drastic steps to reduce potential sources of contact. There are no plans to ramp up screening at Canadian points of entry. The border is never a specific spot where you pick up cases or diagnose cases. It is the spot where you provide people information as to what they should be watching out for and what should they, they should do if they get sick. In BC, the effects of the outbreak already starting to be felt. International conferences have been scrapped and there is some concern about the annual TED conference in April. It may be pushed back several months. Still, the risk in BC remains low. Four of the 13 cases here have now completely recovered. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. I think that's the point we want to stress as we bring in Keith Baldry now. Uh, Aaron mentioned the risk to people here in B.C. is still mm -hmm. low, but there are some things, obviously, that we need to do to try to limit transmission, Keith. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Premier John Horgan at his weekly availability today uh, took about a dozen questions. Half of them were about the coronavirus, different angles. But one of the ones was about basically what do you do as a person in terms of your own behavior and the choices you make as this virus makes its way through our community? Here's the Premier's response. People are, are canceling things, and, and that's a, a concern, uh, whether it be conferences uh, with the impact on the economy or personal choices. But again, those are, those are personal choices. Uh, I, uh, I'm going to be, uh, tomorrow's the last day of the session for a couple of weeks. We have two weeks off. I'm going to be traveling around British Columbia, engaging with people to the greatest extent possible. And I'm hopeful that uh, you know, life will go on. Uh, I will be washing my hands regularly. I will not be... Uh, I will be coughing into my arm and I won't be uh, shaking hands with people. But uh, I, I think that we need to engage and carry on with life, uh, but be vigilant that we're doing our best to not uh, put ourselves into a compromised position. And when it comes to our borders, again, uh, those are issues for the federal government, uh, both, uh, both sides of the border. Uh, but Governor Inslee and I uh, are, are ready to work with whoever wants to work with us if there's a requirement to do something about that. 
So the premier's message, I think, is take this very seriously, but don't get too carried away. He was asked about stockpiling and hoarding, that type of thing. He says people shouldn't be doing that. But he notes that most people who live where we live in southwest B.C. should have an earthquake kit already in somewhere in our, our backyard or wherever that could get us through a sustained uh, a shortage in terms of not being able to leave the house. So the premier taking a very restrained approach today. It pays to be prepared, though, for sure. OK, yep. thanks very much, Keith. Now, the coronavirus outbreak is also now affecting customers of Starbucks. The chain has announced that for the time being, customers won't be able to use their personal cups. Starbucks will still give those customers 10 cents off if they bring in their cup, but they will get the drink in a regular Starbucks cup. So what should people do if they are worried they may have picked up the coronavirus? BC's top doctor has laid out the process that should be followed. People who have a risk of this and who need to be tested, call ahead. So don't either call your physician's office, call 811, local public health, and we can help you do that in the right way so that you're not exposing others in, an, in a physician's office. They can make arrangements for you to come in at a time when there aren't other people in the, the waiting area. Uh, it's much more difficult in a clinic or a physician's office to, to have a separate area. But there's also protocols in emergency departments. So somebody who, anybody who has respiratory symptoms, um, there's masks available, there's hand hygiene, they should identify themselves immediately to the uh, triage nurse, and there are protocols for people to be separated. This is something that we deal with all the time in our communities here, and it's the same symptoms as we see for influenza. So we have been talking with all of our uh, primary care providers, with clinics, with the emergency departments, about what you need to have in place. And it's essentially the same things we need to have in place to safely assess and test and care for somebody who has influenza or has the other respiratory viruses that we see this time of year. A Fort Langley man is back on Canadian soil after spending nearly a month in quarantine after he had potentially been exposed to the novel coronavirus on board the Diamond Prince cruise ship. His time in quarantine included the cruise ship and then a U.S. military base. And as Grace Key shows us, he is so happy to be back home now. For Spencer Fahrenbacher, walking through the YVR International Terminal doors is more than a warm feeling of being back home. After a month-long quarantine, it's freedom. It finally feels like I can relax. It finally feels, it feels like a really large weight is finally lifted off my shoulders. What started as a Chinese New Year celebration aboard the Diamond Princess ended up as one of the largest outbreaks of COVID-19 outside of China. 700 people tested positive. It was a tense two weeks for passengers who were quarantined on the ship off the Japanese coast. The constant fear that at any point uh, I might go from being one of the non-infected to one of the infected. And the, the smallest tingle in the back of my throat could be that indicator. As an American, Spencer evacuated on a U.S. charter flight. He later found out he was sitting in front of a passenger who tested positive for COVID-19. It was one of those situations where as soon as I got back to the apartment, I took off everything that I was wearing, my hat, my shoes, my socks, and I used about a half bar of soap just to try to feel somewhat disinfected. Passengers were quarantined for another two weeks at Travis Air Force Base in California. Spencer's tests came back negative and on Monday he was finally reunited with his father in California. Jumped out of my car, I don't even think I uh, shut the door, ran and just gave him a big hug, totally oblivious to what was around me. 
Spencer says this experience has given him a greater sense of empathy and appreciation for family. It's taught me the, the, the value of being close to the ones that you love, whether it's friends or whether it's family. Being close to those people, there is a, a definite value on that. Grace Key, Global News. Oh, great to see him back home now. Mm-hmm. Well, as expected, concerns surrounding the economic impact of the coronavirus led the Bank of Canada to cut interest rates today. Yeah, the central bank lowered its key rate even more than expected. Catherine Urquhart has the details on whether there could be more cuts down the road. It was a historic move. The Bank of Canada cutting its trend-setting interest rate by half a percentage point to 1.25%. And it's all about worries about the novel coronavirus. Now, the real question, though, is, is it going to have the impact the Bank of Canada hopes it does? In response, several banks have already cut their prime rates by 50 points, passing along the full discount. Fixed-rate mortgages expected to continue their downward trend, and consumers are being encouraged to review their finances. There's never been a better time with rates as low as they are to look at breaking your existing mortgage and adding your outside debt in so you can improve your cash flow, save money each and every month, and should you want to move up across or improve your real estate portfolio, you have that extra room and qualification as well. That extra room and qualification could add fuel to the real estate market which is already showing signs it's heating up. I think that we're seeing the low end mid range is quite hot. The sort of the local market, it's kind of back to this local market. Um, but I don't think it's going to be the same as 2016. I mean, we don't have a lot of offshore investment like we did back then. Of course, lower mortgage rates could tempt consumers to take on even more debt. The challenge is that Canadians are already at record levels of personal debt. We're seeing rising insolvency. I'm just wondering, can it change the psychology? I mean, I think it will have an impact on the housing market, but will it have an impact in other areas? For example, I don't think a quarter point drop is going to get Canadians to start traveling. And this may not be the end of interest rate cuts. Depending on how COVID-19 impacts the global economy, Many economists believe the Bank of Canada will announce another cut in the coming months. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Well, just a year and a half ago, cannabis producer Canopy Growth was the world's biggest legal pot grower, valued at more than $14 billion U.S. Today, more than 500 employees lost their jobs with no warning, and two major production facilities are being closed. Ted Chernecki reports on the company's reasons for downsizing. It appears the bloom is off the bud. About 500 workers got the bad news and their severance packages this morning at Canopy Growth's operations in Aldergrove and Delta. Today all the employees have been terminated. Today is the last day with the severance pay for 16 weeks. In a statement, Canopy Growth describes it as a new product optimization plan. That much-hyped demand for legalized marijuana just isn't happening. The two giant greenhouses account for about 3 million square feet of licensed production space that went into operation just 17 months ago. The the layoffs that we've seen in BC from the Canopy facilities um, really are on trend, if you will. They're not the first and they probably won't be the last. Uh, in the industry. We've seen major layoffs from Aurora. We've seen major layoffs from Hexo and Supreme, other big players in the space. This is the government. It's the government's fault. If the government would get the stores up. Some workers and analysts blame a shortage of retail outlets. Just put it there. It's government's fault. Too slow. That's ridiculous. 
Um, look, um, it, the market has known for quite some time. The market can tell you uh, that there has been a glut uh, around for now for quite some time. Cannabis consultant and former police chief Cash Heed agrees. More stores won't drive more demand. They wanted this excessive demand here in Canada, and we knew it was not going to take place. You just have to look at the experiences elsewhere around the world, and you will see you cannot create a demand for your product. The demand has to come automatically. 88% to 92% still comes from the black market, and there's reasons why. Uh, Number one is the price. The price is about half. He also believes there's been a dot-com-like stock market play where cannabis companies hyped up future sales while early shareholders got rich by getting out. An otherwise grim day for workers, though, there is a silver lining. These massive greenhouses can go back to what they were doing before, and that's growing vegetables. Ted Chernacki, Global News. The Transportation Safety Board has found stress corrosion cracking led to a spectacular pipeline explosion near Prince George in 2018. No one was injured when the Enbridge pipeline exploded, but more than 100 people were evacuated from the Clayton-Tenay First Nation. The SB, TSB says deficiencies in predicting the extent of the cracking, as well as deferred inspections, allowed the cracks to go undetected. Enbridge is responding by listing the actions it has taken since the rupture. Well, it is back to business as usual in northern B.C. on the third consecutive unimpeded day of work on the $6.6 billion coastal gas link pipeline near Houston. The pipeline spans nearly 700 kilometers of B.C., ending in Kitimat. Along the route, many are watching and waiting as the Wet'suwet'en Nation debates a draft deal that could impact similar projects in the future. Sarah McDonald reports. There appears to be a moment of calm in northern B.C. as the dialogue and the demonstrations orbiting Wet'suwet'en Nation begin to subside on a global scale. I'm hoping that they resolve something in a positive, peaceful manner. A draft deal centered on rights and title drawn up through intensive talks with government now left in the hands of this nation and its people. I'm glad they're doing that because... um We have to be listened to. Tasked with coming to a consensus on how to proceed with a proposal that wouldn't impact this project, but would no doubt carry weight moving forward. When the conditions have been met to everyone's satisfaction, I don't see how it's possible anyone can actually stop it at this point. The end of the line for that already fully permitted pipeline, promising economic opportunity to the First Nations along its corridor. Here in Kitimat, where liquefied natural gas will ultimately be processed for export to Asian markets. The skills built on this project are going to be lifelong. The elected leaders of Heisla Nation, among 20 band councils, signing on in a bid to inject their communities with jobs and funding. When people say they want jobs, we want them to have jobs, but I back the hereditary chiefs. As a power struggle over leadership leaves their nation divided. We empathize with their community. Unfortunately, most First Nations communities do endure those types of disagreements when it comes to leadership. An issue that can only be resolved internally within a fractured yet resilient and powerful nation. We want all our elders and the young people to work together. Away from the world stage, it largely never asked to be on. And the next steps for this nation involve deciding if it will accept or reject that draft deal, a process that could take a couple of weeks, with more negotiations and consultations expected in either case. Sarah McDonald, Global News, Smithers, B.C.
Right now, though, a reality check on the controversial changes to ICBC introduced in the legislature today. Attorney General David Eby says the new system will eventually help lower ICBC premiums and increase benefits for accident victims. But personal injury lawyers say it will actually prevent many people from getting the settlements they're entitled to. Global's Richard Zussman takes a closer look at the potential pros and cons for drivers. It's the biggest change in ICBC's history, and the most common question is, what's in it for me? One huge change in no-fault, also known as an enhanced care model, is the up to $7 million in benefits, rather than having to fight for settlement money in court. You might need to do renovations for your house, you might need a new type of van or you know car, um, you might not be able to work actually, so um, those benefits are important because it's not just about the physical aspect of a person, but their overall well-being. One major concern around no fault is wage loss. If you're unemployed at the time of a crash, wage loss benefits will be about $50,000 a year. Stay-at-home parents are not entitled to wage loss under no fault. Students and young people will receive lower wage loss than their earning potential. And people hit the max for wage loss when they make $93,000 a year. It's going to hurt anybody who's currently earning less than they'll expect to make in the future. The promise from government is these changes will mean savings for ratepayers to an average of $400 every year. One is uh, lower uh, premiums because many of the savings uh, are actually rolled into lower premiums. On the other hand, those who are most seriously injured will also receive better care. The new system limits the ability to sue and will greatly reduce the role of lawyers. There isn't consensus among occupational therapists on whether this is a good idea. OT Claudia Walker says lawyers are often part of the care team and the change will eliminate someone who helps navigate care options. The change will also require people to put huge trust in ICBC. They are potentially tied to a government agency um, indefinitely and I, to me it's a lot about dignity and control. The new changes are expected to come in place May 1st, 2021. Richard Zussman, Global News. ICBC is also under fire from a proposed class action lawsuit just filed in B.C. Supreme Court. The lawsuit alleges the B.C. government has been skimming hundreds of millions of dollars from ICBC to reimburse the medical services plan. John Hua explains how the plan allegedly worked and how the plaintiffs say it cost B.C. drivers. This is Braden Matak's new normal. Getting to this point hasn't been easy. It's been the hardest thing I've ever had to endure, for sure. The Williams Lake man was a passenger involved in a devastating vehicle collision near Kamloops in 2014. The accident left him partially paralyzed. It never rests. It's an it's a everyday, everyday fight. Costly retrofits to his family home and hundreds of thousands of kilometers traveled for treatment, all part of this new reality. Worrying about how it's being paid for, Matat says, should not be. The numbers and the money aspect of it is the last thing that I feel like uh, dealing with. I want to focus on my rehab and I want to focus on getting my life back. Instead, the 29-year-old is now a key plaintiff in a proposed class action lawsuit filed against ICBC. In it, allegations the public insurer illegally reimbursed the provincial medical services plan for costs tied to any vehicle-related injury. It's not unusual for this to happen. Uh, the money is paid back to MSP by both private and public insurers. Government has many agreements like this. The argument, robbing ICBC to pay for something MSP should already cover, reduced the amount available for accident benefits, while raising insurance premiums for all BC drivers. 
I'm struggling to see the illegality of that, but uh, not prejudging the claim at all. The statement of facts includes a breakdown of every reimbursement payment ICBC made to the medical services plan to cover costs related to motor vehicle accidents. Tens of millions of dollars each year since 1988. The total, $899,724,536. The amount the plaintiffs are fighting to get back. Being in a chair isn't cheap. It's the most expensive thing. I've had to endure for sure, and you need every, you need every penny. Matat never expected to be at the center of a legal battle against ICBC, but hopes it will mean other injury victims will be left to focus on finding that new normal. John Hua, Global News. A man has now been arrested in the death of Jesus Cristobal Esteban in Oppenheimer Park back on New Year's Day. 50-year-old Glenn Dominic Martin was arrested last Thursday and has been charged with manslaughter. Cristobal Esteban, who was a well-known figure in Oppenheimer Park and on the downtown east side, suffered a serious head injury during what police are calling an altercation in the park. He died January 2nd in hospital. Now, while neighbors say the situation at Oppenheimer Park is starting to get better, there are still many people living in tents and it remains a nexus for crime and drug use. Today, Global's Jordan Armstrong walked the beat with the Vancouver police officers as they patrolled the park and the downtown east side. 100 East is the next block. It's noon on the hard streets of the downtown east side. Everywhere you look, signs of poverty and addiction. But overall, this is considered a good day in the neighborhood. It's early in the month, so many still have money from their last income assistance payment. When you come down here now, do you see progress? Sergeant Rhodes spent eight years on this beat. Yeah, I think so. Um, when I started 20 years ago, the downtown east side sprawled way past Camby Street to the west. Mm. Uh, and now it's, it's, it's a lot tighter, a lot denser. Yeah, buddy. As they walk the lanes, Road and his colleague check on everyone. Their eyes are always on people's hands. Are they holding a weapon? or perhaps a needle. We want to make sure that they're okay. We're not infringing on their rights. It's more of a safety check. He takes us through a bustling sidewalk market on Hastings Street. We see a man filing the paint off a bike. Some of these items may have been stolen, but police are careful about when they intervene. The reality is many of these vendors are selling for survival. We don't want people just to come and think that they can sell stolen property here. But we are going to be looking at the boosters, the ones who are out there in the stores who have a planned objective to steal property, come down here and sell it. And then there's Oppenheimer Park, where police routinely find stolen goods and weapons. In the last week and a half, we've had almost 70 weapons seized from two separate tents. And early Wednesday, this tent burst into flames, a blaze fueled by propane and aerosol canisters. But police are reluctant to immediately clear the park. This is still a community. People still have their rights. And inside of these tents is their homes. We're not going to infringe on that and just barge in and start checking people's tents. With a shortage of actual housing, where else would they go? Jordan Armstrong, Global News. The grieving mother of a Maple Ridge man who was killed in a double fatal boat collision on Osuyas Lake last spring is still seeking answers. Jill Madigan says being left in the dark about the cause of the crash is making it even more difficult to cope with the loss of her son. Global's Shelby Tom reports. I call it my Nicholas Wall. All that Jill Madigan has left of her son are memories. He was my baby. 
I was his biggest fan. And he, of course, was my biggest fan. 36-year-old Nicholas Trask of Maple Ridge had traveled to a Sioux for a family camping trip with his wife Vanessa, their two young sons, Vincent and Evan, and their good friend, Ryan Ellison. Avid boaters and fishermen, Trask and his friend headed out onto the lake in Ellison's Red Cobra powerboat on June 8th of 2019. But around 7.14 p.m., something went wrong. Witnesses say the red boat collided with an aluminum fishing boat carrying three other people in the middle of a Sioux Lake. And then went flying up and then went down. And then both boats disappeared. Bystanders rescued the three survivors clinging to the other boat, but Trask and Ellison were missing. Their bodies were covered by the RCMP underwater recovery team the following day. It was time that we spoke for Nicholas because he can't speak. Trask's mother says the family hasn't been given answers by investigators as to what caused the collision on the water. The sooner the better. We need information. A CEO's RCMP says it remains a complex and ongoing investigation, and it remains committed to keeping loved ones informed. Police have not confirmed witness accounts of the crash, and the coroner's file remains open. Madigan says she doesn't know about closure, but being left in the dark is taking an emotional toll. He was the most wonderful, loving person in the world, and we miss him so much. Shelby Tom, Global News. South of the border tonight, it's a brand new race in the contest for the Democratic presidential nomination. Joe Biden's big victory in the Super Tuesday primaries and a major endorsement today puts him back in the front runner position. Tonight, Joe Biden savoring his surprising Super Tuesday surge, going after Bernie Sanders' assertion his win was a victory for the establishment. Is this the establishment trying to defeat Bernie Sanders, Mr. Vice President? The establishment are all those hard-working middle-class people. Biden also getting a boost from billionaire Michael Bloomberg, who dropped out today. Defeating Donald Trump starts with uniting behind the candidate with the best shot to do it. And after yesterday's vote, it is clear that candidate is my friend and a great American, Joe Biden. It all comes after Biden pulled off one of the biggest comebacks in political history. So I'm here to report, we are very much alive! His fiery speech momentarily interrupted when protesters rushed the stage, even his wife, Jill Biden, stepping in. The Democratic primary, now a two-person race. We are going to win the Democratic nomination. Today, Sanders sharpening his attacks on Biden. Joe is going to have to explain to the American people why he voted for a Wall Street bailout, something that I vigorously opposed. Releasing this new ad, blasting Biden's past comments on Social Security. When I argued that we should freeze federal spending, I meant Social Security as well. Now, all eyes on the other progressive senator in the race, Elizabeth Warren. I put something out on it this morning. She was really a spoiler. Biden later telling NBC's Savannah Guthrie. Look, I think the one thing the president doesn't want to do from the very beginning is face me because I will beat him, period. Kristen Welker, NBC News, Los Angeles. In Health Matters tonight, the B.C. College of Physicians and Surgeons is going public about the troubling case of a Vancouver woman who's accused of illegally injecting clients with Botox at so-called Botox parties. As Nadia Stewart reports, the college says the woman kept breaking the law even after being repeatedly warned to stop. 
Maria Azadi is the Vancouver woman at the center of this investigation, accused of hosting so-called Botox and filler parties as recently as last month. Undercover investigators, along with Vancouver police, caught her in the act, and this is not the first time she's been told to stop. Azadi, seen here in this photo from the February sting, has been under close watch since April 2017. That's when someone first complained to the province's College of Physicians and Surgeons, saying she was performing Botox injections and dermal fillers. Azadi is not a registered or licensed health professional. Between July 2017 and August 2019, the college was granted orders to investigate and seize materials from Azadi. Then last month, the college was tipped off yet again that she was still performing services illegally. Essentially undercover uh, clients that actually attended at the uh, Botox party or one of the Botox parties and had with them a surreptitious uh, video recording device so they have uh, video evidence of what happened at this particular Botox party. That was presented to court and resulted in the uh, most recent uh, order for search and seizure. The college says this is not the first time they've heard of these so-called Botox parties, but they're no less concerned. The case is still before the courts, but they're going public now, hoping to deter people from pursuing treatments such as this outside of a licensed clinic. The college seized items from Azadi's Vancouver home as recently as February 20th. They'll be back in court later this month to present their findings. Nadia Stork, Global News. In other health news tonight, an important safety recall for parents to know about. IKEA is recalling more than 800,000 dressers that could tip over, seriously injuring or even killing small children. Consumers should immediately stop using the Cullen three-drawer chest if it is not properly anchored to the wall. IKEA will accept in-store returns or arrange for free pickup of the chest for a full refund or consumers can order a free wall anchor kit. Some late night shenanigans caught on camera why the owners of this car wash are making some changes coming up right after the forecast. Yes, that guy is having a shower. <laughs> Cleanliness is next to godliness. That's what I hear. <laughs> That's what can I you hear. tell my kids that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a nice picture, Christy. Oh, yeah. We had some great shots from all around the region. Thank you to William for this one from Porto Co. showing the blue sky, the mountains off in the distance. Another one of the mountains. Why can't I click this? Help me out if you don't mind, Justin. Click away. Working on it. Okay, so we've got another shot, though, for you. We do have a change, though. I don't want you to get too excited about the spring-like conditions. For some reason, we're... Okay, let me try. Ugh, didn't work. I, I don't know what's going on. Am I using the wrong one? Control-Alt-Delete. Control-Alt-Delete, yes. <laughs> there we oh, go. There we go. Okay, so we'll move things along here, but I wanted to show you the great images. Don't get too excited about uh, the spring-like conditions. Keep moving along, you guys. I'll catch up to you. Uh, because I know we're seeing signs of spring, but we've got the potential for snow off in the distance. Yes, the early morning or overnight lows are going to plummet by the time we head towards the weekend. Uh, one degree, I don't know why that's underneath there, but one degree is our overnight low and the possibility of snow on Saturday. So it's just a chance. It's a heads up for now, but I want you to be aware of that. Tune 
tune in over the next couple of days. Now, in the meantime, we went from sunshine today to rainfall tomorrow. Not early in the morning, but don't leave home without your rain jacket. It'll pick up, and we'll see that in the afternoon. Not heavy amounts, anywhere from 5 to 15 millimeters. That's about it. And when we look at the snowfall for inland regions, 5 to 15 centimeters expected overnight and early morning across northern regions. Columbia regions will also see some. It'll miss the Okanagan Valley, though. You'll see sunshine tomorrow. So, yes, coastal regions rain, inland regions snow overnight, but changing over to rain. There's the sunshine for the Okanagan Valley. Look at those temperatures. Incredible. And for our region, rainfall by the afternoon hours. Now, on Friday, we're back to some sunshine, but we have a chance of showers. And again, there's your heads up, everyone. Uh, and we're back to sunshine, though, on Sunday. So keep tuning in over the next couple of days. All right, we'll leave you with your central windows weather window from Mount Seymour today. Grant Matisse showing us this stunning shot of the new snowfall as well as the sunshine off in the distance. That is gorgeous. Thanks, Christy. It's like a big giant marshmallow. All right, these strange overnight goings on at a salmon arm business are forcing the owner to cut back on his hours of operation. Pretty much every night there's something happening now. The security cameras at Terry Robinson's Excalibur car wash, which is open nights, have caught people blowing off fireworks, washing themselves, and mostly tampering with the machines. Well, yeah, it's causing a lot of damage, and um, there's no money to actually ever be taken out of the system, so they're just breaking into it and getting nothing, basically. So every time they do something, we ought to fix the machine. Robinson says cutting back on his night hours could cost him up to $4,000 a month in revenue, but he says he has no choice. Oh, buddy, you're on camera, man. I don't know if that's the... Not a good idea. I don't know if you should have that on your skin. What? No, right. What happens if they mean, accidentally hot wax one. themselves? <laughs> yeah, walk through the automatic ones and get slapped in the face by those giant <laughs> things. I think about that sometimes. I stay in the car, though. Have, yeah. you, have you ever done this bit? It's like, it's like running, it's like, you know, the old jackrabbit runs across the road, like you open your window and you just shut it just at the last second. I don't tempt fate. <laughs> Right, the Canucks in the desert tonight? No, they're here. Oh, they're here. The guys in the desert have come up here. Good to know. Traffic. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. All right. Dogs are here from the desert. Uh, We aren't sure, though, yet if Quinn Hughes is going to play this game against Arizona. He wasn't at the optional skate this morning. This will be one of those game-time decisions he has. Well, they said yesterday he was banged up. They didn't even say what he had. Uh, Tyler Myers did skate this morning, so maybe he'll be able to play. One thing about this game, it is a chance for the Canucks to show they have learned from their recent road trip that late in the regular season, nothing comes as easy as it might have earlier in the season. Uh, you're getting close to playoffs. The things can, the heat of the game can change fast, and uh, that happens in playoffs as well. You've seen it over the years where... You're in a playoff game and you think one team's dominated the whole game and at the end of the night, they walk away with a loss. Uh, And much like playoffs, you've got to have short-term memory. And, you know, we took a hard one there in Columbus. Uh, And then you hope you're, you know, that your team responds next game and they've done that a lot this year. Okay, Columbus roughed up the Canucks on Sunday. Can they help them tonight? They're in Calgary against Matthew Kachuk in the Flames. First period, Devin Shore, this should not go in. But it does. So it's one nothing for Columbus. Not a good goal on Cam Talbot. Then, oops, giveaway in the neutral zone. It's a 2-1-0. Felino, Gustav Nyquist. Now it's 2 nothing for Columbus. They are in the second period in Calgary. I keep saying this, and I know professional players don't like the idea. 
But I wonder if there will be a day in our lifetimes when full face visors will be mandatory in the NHL. It certainly would cut down on loss of teeth, although dentists wouldn't get as much money. Probably concussions would be cut down and dangerous skate cuts is what that is what the Islanders Johnny Boychuk went through last night. Luckily, he'll be okay. Maybe not as pretty for a while, but okay. Here's what happened to Boychuk. And if you're squeamish of such things, look away for about 20 seconds. Skate in the face right there. He has a visor. It caught him around the eyelid. 90 stitches. Needed plastic surgery, but he says he's okay and no damage to his eye. Luckily. That was nasty. Okay. When Canada plays its games at the Rugby Sevens tournament this weekend, they will have a dual purpose. One, of course, is to win their games. The other is to help raise money for Ronald McDonald House. And they'll be doing that with special shoes that will raise money for Ronald McDonald House and the fight against cancer. When the Canadian team arrived for practice, the shoes were waiting for them. Every one of them adorned with drawings from children at Ronald McDonald House. Uh, you know what, I was blown away when I saw them and I didn't think they'd look like this. I didn't know what they'd look like, but uh, I, I couldn't, be, couldn't be happier. They're, they're great. Yeah, they're going to be fun. The idea to get the children to design each shoe individually came from one of the players, Abbotsford's Jake Teal. You know, it's a special thing thinking about, uh, you know, we, we put our bodies on the line, but, you know, these kids are so inspirational. You know, they're, they're going through fights daily. Um, with stuff I couldn't even imagine, we couldn't even imagine. Well, to be honest, uh, I've been in rugby going on about 30 years now, and I've I've never seen anything like it. Um, It's a a great way to bring awareness um, and hopefully uh, a touch of good luck for for the players as well. After the children made their drawings, they were put on the shoes by professional artist Diego Zaniga. Better than I could have ever imagined, um, and they turned out great. Wearing the shoes is only part of Jake's idea. The other part is using the help of organizers and sponsors to auction them off at the end of the tournament. After the tournament, the shoes will be auctioned off uh, to the highest bidder, which is very exciting, some incredible memorabilia. For the fans, of which there is such a a massive uh, fan base here in Vancouver, that they can take home a piece of the tournament and also give back and support Ronald McDonald House at the same time. Okay, so are you going to bid on them? Because they look like they're pretty nice boots. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about it. I'm hoping they're out of my price range. I'm hoping that I've I've got some pretty good ones. If someone wants to buy them for me, I wouldn't be against that. But, uh, you know, like... I, it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll give away anything to, to raise money for them. And if you want to uh, bid on the shoes, Canada7s.com, and then they'll uh, follow the way to Boots to Kick Cancer, and you can bid. Easy to find on the website, too. Yeah, just, just, go, right just go there and just go to the men's team, and away you go. Here's your snow report for this evening. Blue sky across the local mountains, but Whistler Blackcomb picked up one centimeter and Sasquatch six. Manning Park tied is the winner at 20 centimeters of fresh snow. Revelstoke four, Fernie nothing new, but Kicking Horse picked up nine. Big White five, Silver Star two, Sun Peaks two, and Apex three. Mount Washington one centimeter, Whitewater three, Red Mountain one, and Powder King tied Manning Park at 20 centimeters.
Okay, one last note on coronavirus tonight before we let you go and the impact it's having on a variety of pretty big events. There was talk, of course, of the Tokyo Olympics being canceled or postponed. Now, at this point, it is going ahead as planned. But the spread of the virus is also having an impact on concerts and even movies. Like a Bond villain, coronavirus has pushed the release of the next 007 film, No Time to Die, from April to November. The first major movie shifting its rollout because of the outbreak. I think we got to prioritize people's safety um, over the movie coming out. From movies to music festivals, questions are swirling around large public events. In Texas, major companies like Twitter and Facebook pulled out of the South by Southwest Festival, which starts in nine days. Austin's mayor says health officials will ultimately recommend if the show should go on. At this point, uh, there's no evidence to suggest that canceling South by Southwest makes the community safer. In Miami, our affiliate WTBJ reports the Ultra Music Festival has been postponed, while Chicago State University's basketball squads have canceled games and travel this week. But the NCAA's March Madness is still going on as planned. For the person who's worried about, do I go to that big concert or do I go to a big sporting event, is there good advice you can give them right now? It's a very personal decision because we don't have the scientific basis to tell you what the probabilities are at this point. What we do know, experts say, is coronavirus can spread between people within six feet of each other and before someone shows symptoms. Joe Fryer, NBC News. We tend to spend a lot of time in pretty close proximity. <laughs> it's fist bumps and elbow bumps <laughs> yeah. from now on until this thing is clear, I think. Sevens will go ahead as planned, though. Yes, right? it will. <laughs> no hugs. <laughs> Thanks for watching, everyone. Have a good night. Good night.